the Pleasant Good Evening Mets fans and welcome back to the Pleasant Good Evening Podcast. My name's Sam Lebowitz, joined as always by my lovely co-host Jack Hendon. Jack, how the hell are you? I'm 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 good, Stan. How are you? I am reeling a little bit from Syracuse's loss last night in the Sweet 16. It was painful. I thought it would be a closer game. I did think they'd lose to Houston. However, they got they got their butts handed to them. They got embarrassed and it was painful. However, uh, other than that, I'm doing great because this is our last episode before opening day, which is so exciting because we get to talk about real baseball next week. Yeah, we got baseball, dude. It, it's been a really strange winter, and it's been a really strange just year of not having an opening day. So this is like this is our first. This is it's it's really strange in that way. But like exciting, like I can't wait. Oh, yeah, I really can't wait. I'm so excited for for Thursday for the first games to go. I did my little my little MLB.com uh, pick them thing that they they're trying to do this year, where you you pick the winners of all 15 opening day games, and I don't even know what I win if I get them all right. But uh, that would be cool if I get them all right. That would be cool. Yeah, uh, it's, is it like a? It's probably like a money prize, right? It's like beat the streak or something. Honestly. I don't even know. I opened up the MLB at Bad App, and they were like, hey, you want to fill this out real quick? I was like, sure. Did it on a whim. Absolutely no research. Uh, I got the Mets winning on opening day, though. That's cool. So um, when the Mets do go out there on opening day, they're going to have a roster of 26 men uh, to play, and it's looking like that final roster is starting to take form. So why don't we talk about that and uh, and see what we're looking at in terms of the, the opening day because it's not going to be the only Mets in this season these 26 guys are not going to be the only guys who play obviously it's a full season you're going to get lots of roster turnover over the course of the year but these uh let's see these initial kind of 26 guys there's still some up in the air but now let's let's break down who we're who we're working with so we have the rotation basically set i mean mike montgomery's not making it i think it was pretty apparent before today now it's very apparent he like didn't even get an out in the he didn't get out of the first inning today against the Marlins. So the rotation is as it stands without Syndergaard and Carrasco. It's Jacob deGrom, Marcus Stroman, uh, Taiwan Walker, David Peterson, and Joey Lucchese. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, Lucchese could be the four and Peterson the five. I think Lucchese's had the, the spring to deserve that. But uh, that's the rotation. The lineup has been, I think the lineup's basically been a given since the first week of spring training, at least when it became clear that the Mets were done adding guys. So you have, I mean, the batting order will be the batting order. And we know Luis Rojas loves to mix and match with that and play to players' um, strengths. But you have around the infield, you have obviously James McCann catching. Pete Alonso is going to be at first base. Jeff McNeil gets to play second. Um, Francisco Lindor. Is it shortstop? Hopefully he is extended by then. We'll talk a little bit about that. Third base will probably be J.D. Davis, though I would expect Luis Guillorme to spell him here and there when the matchups and the situations call for it. Left field will be Dominic Smith. Right field will be Michael Conforto. Uh, And the bench is pretty much set, too. The bench is going to be, obviously, Tomas Nito behind the plate. Uh, Jonathan Villar is going to make the team. Uh, he did not have a very good spring, but he's still going to make the team because the infield is like no depth really. Otherwise, Brandon Drury somehow had a worse spring. Um, outfield is Kevin Pilar and 
uh, Albert Almora. It seems like Almora is going to make the team, especially uh, with, you know, Brandon Nimmo playing center field every day. You're really going to need what you can get defensively. But the bullpen is probably the one spot that's still uh, hit or miss in terms of who's going to be there and who's not. For one part, because of health, obviously, because Seth Lugo is not going to be available. Drew Smith is probably not going to be available either. He still hasn't started throwing off a mound since he had his shoulder soreness. So that's going to be its own thing. Um, but what happens, I think, before the high leverage in the eighth inning is quite a toss up to this point. And it'll be fun to like see how that shakes out today and tomorrow. Yeah, fun. <laughs> Maybe not the word I'd use. Uh because this, I, you know, I am the biggest kind of preseason bullpen hater that you'll find around. Mm-hmm. I still think that this bullpen's kind of bad. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm intrigued by Miguel Castro. Uh, I, I am an Edwin Diaz supporter, mm-hmm. a staunch Edwin Diaz supporter. I think he's good. Uh, obviously, I have no concern about Trevor May. I don't think Aaron Loop is very good. I think he's fine. And then Jerry's Familia and Dellen Batances being in that opening day uh, uh, bullpen concerns the living daylights out of me. And I think they're both in it. I also think Jacob Barnes is in it. Yeah, uh, he I, think Jake, I think Jacob Barnes has that last spot. Uh, or if there's one spot after Barnes. There's one after Barnes, yeah. Or it, it, may, it may not even be that, actually. It might be, let's see, so... With the lineup, it's eight. The rotation, it's five. So that's 13. The bench is five. So that's 18. So that's eight guys in the bullpen. Uh, and we've gone through seven. So there's one spot up for grabs, essentially, assuming that Dallin Batances comes with the team, which I think will happen as far as how long he'll be there. That's another question. Uh, but he pitched, it's, he pitched 20 minutes ago or so as of time of recording this. Mm-hmm. So if he's, if he's still pitching, I feel like. Yeah, they definitely want to see what he can give them. Uh, But they have, I think, some guys that they can option and move around. I'm a little surprised that they optioned Jordan Yamamoto as early as they did, because for I'd really rather have him serving a long relief uh, sort of like tandem chain pitcher alongside Peterson or Lucchese coming out of that bullpen uh, than any of the options that currently exist that have yet to be – demoted you know like Robert Gesellman has had a really bad spring um if they want the second lefty I think it should be Stephen Tarpley but they seem to really like like Jerry Blevins I know he was a Met for a long time I know he's got the he has the personality he's the hair he's a fun dude he reminds us of better days but Jerry Blevins is probably finished I think like I don't think his career is going much further and hopefully I'm wrong but I I definitely think we can do better um I, it's it's fun in the sense that like anything can happen, but as far as what that anything can be, it's I think that's where it's it's not so fun. Yeah, there are a lot of different avenues that the bullpen can go for that last spot. I do think Barnes is in it because Barnes kind of turned his spring around, and the fact that they had him open a game yesterday, mm-hmm. Saturday, uh, for Lucchese, definitely a sign that they want to you know see him to the full extent of his capabilities as a reliever. Yeah. They want to see him, uh, a lot. He seems to really like him. So and he pitched well, I, I caught the highlights. I didn't catch the game itself, but uh, I mean, he, he struck out 
a couple guys looking. He struck out uh, Altuve and Bregman looking on nice outside corner fastballs. So he's the velocity's up to 94, 95, and then he's got that little cutter slider thing that he can kind of modulate speed and, and movement wise. And, you know, I think it would work as an opener type situation. He's not a guy necessarily I'd want in high leverage, but I, I can deal with him for an inning to start a game and, and have Lucchese piggyback for five or six more. In terms of the last spot, I would definitely at the moment give the uh, handicap to Montgomery. Uh, he, he started today. He didn't pitch well, just as I suspected all along. It turns out he does, in fact, suck. However, he's had an okay spring prior to this point. And, you know, the, they're, they keep trotting him out there. They keep trotting him out there. Uh, and he's a guy that could also open games. He's a guy that could he, – he'd be a second lefty. I like Tarpley better. I like Tarpley's stuff. I think it plays up more in terms of ability to get guys out in higher leverage spots. I don't think Montgomery has much in the way of stuff. He's more of just a higher ceiling kind of guy who you can kind of – I don't want to say trust to pitch to like a mid four ZRA if you give him a bunch of innings, but like that's probably where he's going to be. And you can rely on that, I guess, which there's value in, but not exciting value. Yeah, uh, he's less of a low floor, I think, than high ceiling. But yeah, it's like the worst that happens is, you know, he's just like like Hector Santiago, who you can just cut right away. Right. And the, that's another part of this is – Montgomery is a guy you could cut bait on if he doesn't pitch well. Tarpley is a guy with options who you can just kind of stash in AAA, and then if you need him later, you can bring him up. It's yeah. the same thing. It's the same thing where there was a chance Drew Smith didn't make this team no matter the spring he had, even if he didn't get hurt. Like I love Drew Smith. I think Drew Smith is good, and I wish he didn't get hurt because I'd love to have, you know, found out if he would have made this team. He definitely deserved it based on his, you know, the first couple weeks of spring before he got hurt, but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, guys with options generally get the short end of the stick in these situations. Yeah. And Tarpley is in that scenario right now. He's in that situation right now. And Yamamoto too. I think Yamamoto got sent down because they want Yamamoto to start. I think they want him stretched out in case another starting pitcher goes down. Uh, I don't think they have any interest in him being a long guy. I think that if they want to carry a long guy, it's going to be Montgomery. Yeah. And I think that's just the reality that we're working with. I'm not thrilled with Mike Montgomery being on this 26 man roster. I do not think he's good. And I think it's going to hurt the Mets here and there. Maybe not to the extent that like putting Familia and Batances in high leverage situations is going to, but Mike Montgomery is going to give up some runs. Yeah. If you put him in games, he's just going to, he's not a good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think Blevins makes the team. And I, I don't, I'm not, I don't think Gazelman does either. I think Barnes kind of takes that Gazelman spot in the, in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. um, but Rob's got, I think Rob's got an option left. So. Yeah, he does. It's, it's funny. It's been like, this will have been his sixth year with the big club and he still has options. It's kind of it's silly. Really, I think strange because every year we sort of expect Gazelman to like break out of his cage. And sometimes he looks really good. It's just, it's, I think a lot of it had to do with the time and place that he's been in like you know pitching for Mickey Calloway and then you know pitching in 2020 like they really just destroyed him in 2020 and that wasn't fair to him um, yeah it's kind of funny he's been like an important part of now this is going to be his sixth major league season six seasons since his debut 2016 and he can still get sent down to the yeah. minor leagues like definitely not a broken system major league baseball definitely not 
a broken system at all. But that's just I digress. Yeah, um, that's the other thing. I and the other thing too is like when you have veterans, they can like I think part of the reason Montgomery's going to make this team is that it's harder to outright him off of the roster and keep him. Right. Like this happened to Devin Mesoraco a few years ago. And there was obviously a lot more going on in that situation than just the Mets trying to outright him and him wanting to be a free agent. Like they probably promised him something and uh, he was upset that they didn't deliver on it and rightfully stuck it to them. But, you know, Montgomery can just become a free agent and go somewhere else. Like this happened to Tommy Hunter last week, who's no longer with the Mets organization because they couldn't promise him a spot in the bullpen. But a younger guy like Tarpley, they can string him along and, uh, you know, give him false hope as much as they want. It's, yeah, that's the younger guys just get brutally uh, handled like that. I don't want to say false hope because Tarpley will be up at some point, I think, because mm-hmm. I believe he's actually decent. Uh, you know, and, and I think that if he goes out in AAA in Syracuse and, and pitches well, um, obviously he's going to have an extra month to sit around and think about, you know, this negative thing, this not making the major league roster because the minor league seasons got pushed back to May and whatever, um, which hope he has someone to talk to because that that can't, you know, if you're on the roster crunch, if you're on the roster bubble and you don't make the roster, you can't just go right out immediately and perform at any level because you have to sit in camp for another month. Right. Uh, which kind of sucks. Um, but, I mean, regardless. I, that's what I'm seeing. I, so it's going to be, I think, top to bottom in the bullpen. It's going to be Diaz, May, Castro, Loop, Familia, Batances, Barnes. And if I had to put money on the eighth guy in that bullpen, it's going to be Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, be with with uh, Gazelman and Tarpley and Trevor Hildenberger, who we spoke to last week. Go check out that episode. Shameless plug if you guys haven't. He was a great guest to have. Uh and uh, I think they'll all be in, in Syracuse, Drew Smith probably on the IL. And then I think guys like Arodis Viscaino and Jerry Blevins are probably going to not pitch in AAA. Probably yeah. going to not be part of this organization anymore in a couple of weeks. Well, Blevins has already said a few times that if he doesn't make the team, he's going to retire. So right. that and he's, I think he's like 36, 37 now. Like it, you know, he's had a great career. There's no, reservations about that but talking a little bit less about what is and isn't certain with this roster this roster is pretty good Sam I think I agree and I think that it's about time that we acknowledge like what these guys are capable of we have a few little preseason predictions to get into uh this should be kind of fun because I almost positive that Sam and I are going to have different answers for most of these. So there'll be some fun, you know, fun back and forth, but uh, let's get right into it with uh, our predictions. Uh, highest war, top three highest war. Who do you have? Uh, okay. So are we doing just position players here or are we doing both? Any- Cause pitch- pitching anyway. was a little bit of a crapshoot sometimes. Uh, so I, I mean, obviously DeGrom's there. Uh, can't can't do top three war if it's if it's whole team uh however i will say my top three position players for war are gonna be lindor uh nimo and i want to say see okay i want to say dom but i also know that his war is going to take a hit because of the defense 
So I'm leaning, I'm leaning towards, I'll say McNeil for that. I'll say top three position players. I think DeGrom leads the team in war. And then I think following him immediately are going to be Lindor, Nimmo, and McNeil. Okay. So this is probably not a great start to my promise that we have different ones because I have DeGrom one and then Lindor two, Nimmo three. But among position players, I think, I think my next guy after Lindor and Nimmo to deliver is probably going to be Pete Alonso. Um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a lot more uh, power on display this time around. I think that we tend to forget like with 2020, the OPS wasn't great. The average wasn't great. He didn't really hit that well in, you know, big spots, but he also hit like 16 homers in a 60 game season. That kind of output is still going to hold up over a 162 game season, I think. And he's had a really good spring. I don't really have any reason to believe, aside from defense, that Alonzo is going to play fourth or fifth best hitter on this team. I think he's going to be a guy who drives in a lot of runs and is responsible for a lot of high scoring innings and a lot of high scoring games. So Pete's definitely my guy uh, after Lindor and Nimmo, because Nimmo, I think, is definitely like as long as he's healthy, he's definitely going to get I think he's going to accumulate the most value in this lineup getting the most at-bats, drawing the most walks. Uh, we'll see what they do with, like, hitting runs and whatnot, because I think that if Nimmo figures out the base running stuff, like, that will also be pretty valuable. He'll never be a guy who steals bases, but uh, if he's somebody who is a little bit smarter, that could also go a long way, because the Mets have not had a great, I think, regimen of, of teaching these guys how to run the bases for a long time, almost as long as the defense has been an issue. So. Yeah. yeah, my my philosophy on on why I put McNeil there. By the way, this is I like I didn't prepare anything for this. I'll be completely honest with you guys. Uh, it's been a long week for me, and mm-hmm. I straight up just said, you know what? I'm gonna wing it on these predictions. I'm gonna see what comes to me in the moment. No thoughts, head empty. Just gonna let it go the way it goes. And so that's yeah. that's why I'm kind of going as I go here. But like the philosophy that I do have in terms of why I'm not picking Pete there. First of all, pretty damn cool that. Uh, I, I can pick three position players and then I could still have three or four position players who, who could easily be in that top three that I didn't yeah. pick like Dom and Pete and, you know, JD and, and Conforto. I got that put JD in front of Conforto. God, man. Uh, right. He's but, easy to forget Conforto sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong. Conforto could lead the team in war, you know, Pete could be, you know, number two in war. He could put up 50 home runs again and, and drive in 130 runs. Like, I just think that McNeil, especially if the power comes back, he's a more complete hitter. He's going to he's going to get some defensive value because he's playing second base uh, and he's good at second base. I just I think that you're getting a little more all around game with McNeil as opposed to Pete. Obviously, Pete is a more he's the run producer. He's the guy who's going to drive the ball out of the ballpark. Um, And that's probably why I think he might be my answer for the next question. But let me think, because yeah. our next most question, RBI, Pete. yeah, our next question here is, is most RBIs uh, and <laughs> RBI flawed stat contingent on a lot of factors that the players don't have control over mm-hmm. uh, can guarantee that if, if, if uh, Brandon Nimmo is playing batting first every day, he won't have the most RBIs. Yeah. Uh, even if he is the it's most, basically who's going to bat clean up the most, I think, I think it's, it's a, it's, either pete or dom i think that's who i'd handicap it for 
I'm I've I've got my money on Pete. I think the home runs are going to play a big role, and I also think having Nimmo, some combination of Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil batting ahead of him guarantees he's always going to have a chance to bring somebody in. Uh, so yeah, I think that's I think that's what it will be. But also, Pete didn't really come through on that front last year. Like again, like RBI is a stupid statistic, but it's also a fun cumulative one because it ultimately like gives us something to look at across all of the hitters. Yeah, those big numbers are fun to look at. Like I think I think it could be Dom because I think that if Dom continues in the direction he's heading after breaking out, this is a guy who could put up who could hit like 65 extra base hits in a season. Yeah. 70 extra base hits in a season. He could be up in the top five in extra base hits in, in the National League. He could hit 25 homers and 40 doubles. Mm-hmm. And that's going to go a long way towards, you know, helping out the, the run production of this team. So, yeah, um, not that they need much more help, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, I mean, any concern about, about Dom's wrist kind of out the window? He hit two home runs yesterday. So, one was a little wind aided, but the other one was yeah. pretty good. So yeah, almost got one over the batter's eye, and then had a little squeaker out, up fly out to left field that found yeah. its way over the fence. Clover Park is kind of ridiculous like that. Like every year, this happens where just there's a pop up to left field that just just keeps going. Like seems to happen almost every game, in fact. But that's beside the point. Highest OPS. Hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, qu- good question. <laughs> I think it's going to be Lindor. You think so? I think, yeah, I think that uh, he's a guy who has regularly been able to hit for extra bases, but I think the fact also that he'll get on base a lot is going to help his cause in a way that it won't necessarily with Pete Alonso. I think that that component of it is going to push him over the top, but I think it'll be between those two again. I'm looking at a roster full of, like, it's a really good offensive lineup, but it is still just like, I feel like it's a bunch of guys who are just like 850 to 900 or 850 to 880 OPS guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm trying to find the one guy in this lineup who like could even Lindor, I mean, is in that category too. Like I'm looking for the one guy in this, on this lineup who could like OPS like 950 or, or, or 980. And I'm like, I think it's Pete. I think if Pete does have just a, you know, a rage of a season where he's hitting the crap out of the baseball, like he has been all spring, I think this is a guy, you know, possible borderline MVP candidate. If he's hitting 55 balls out of the ballpark and he's hitting 260, who knows? Yeah, it'll be very I'll say highest OPS, Pete. Nice. We'll move over to a pitching now. Lowest ERA. But the caveat here is that it can't be Jacob DeGrom because Jacob DeGrom is going to lead in every pitching category on the team, potentially in the league. Uh, so you can't, you can't answer DeGrom. It's too easy. Yeah. So I'm going to say for a starter, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Syndergaard. I think Syndergaard comes back and is really strong. And uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty confident in that one. I, I'm I'm confident in that too because he'll be able to work with good catchers uh, for the first time in a pretty long time. I also feel that Marcus Stroman's going to benefit a lot more than people are giving him credit for. And obviously, there's the issue that he didn't really pitch that you know he didn't pitch at all last year, uh, and the numbers weren't like 
stellar in 2019 when he came to the Mets, but this is going to be the first time he's going to be pitching with the overall infield defense behind him at a positive. So I think that's actually, I think he's going to have the lower ERA than Syndergaard just because he's going to have people up the middle who can actually field the ball and he'll have a catcher who can handle that. Um, and that, I mean, obviously you got to figure out third base and that will be its own issue from time to time, but I'm picking Stroman for that. And I think that it's, again, it will be very close, but I think if it's not Stroman, it'll be Syndergaard. And then I guess Carrasco will be the next one, but I'm, yeah, Carrasco, I'm, I'm sure he'll pitch well. I just don't know how much he's going to pitch. Yeah. Next one is uh, who throws the most innings, non-DeGrom category as well. Um, I think Stroman probably. I think Stroman's got a chance to be a workhorse for this this team. And I think he could get to 180 innings or so. I think I had this set up. I think I put this question in our script before Carrasco got hurt. Because my answer, I think, before the hamstring issue probably would have been Carrasco just because he's somebody who has been consistent up to this point and he is on the older side. So it's eating innings is a little bit more natural to him, but with him out and Syndergaard obviously taking some time to get ready, it's gotta be Stroman. Unless you think Taiwan Walker is going to go that deep into games, which I think hopefully for his sake, he doesn't because his arm is not really used to that. So yeah, Stroman probably most innings. That's kind of a, I probably could have adapted that question uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit better, but you know, that that's one of them. Uh, who's going to be the closer at the end of the year and who's going to have the most holds again, holds is a stupid stat, but in terms of who's going to be here the most, essentially, who do you have? Uh, I think, I think it's Edwin is the closer, you know, I think Edwin's the closer. Um, I think he's going to keep that closer role. Cause I think he's good. And like, you guys can, can hound me on Twitter at Lebo my all you want. Every time he blows a save, if he gets taken out of the closer role, whatever, I'll I'll gladly eat my words. But yeah, the closer is Edwin Diaz. He's gonna be fine. Uh, most holds probably May, I guess, is gonna be the primary setup guy, primary high leverage non closer. Uh, I don't know. I don't really care about any of that stuff. Just win the games, you know. Yeah. No, I I only put it up there so we can like gauge like who's gonna look best out of the bullpen in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think Diaz is probably the most likely player of anybody on the Mets to prove, not to prove, but to replicate uh, what he did in 2020. I think that if he really irons out the walk issue, like there's not going to be any stopping him. Like the slider is clearly working for him again, and that's his, uh, his bread and butter pitch. So it's going to, it's, it will be a successful year for him. And I think holds, I want to say it's going to be Trevor May. I think it's it's most likely going to be Trevor May, but I also wouldn't be surprised if um, if Miguel Castro ends up getting if he ends up working his way into a higher leverage role because I think he's I, he's he's a guy who I expect to break out a little bit this year. He's he's, probably, he's he's the seventh inning guy for the time being. I think while Lugo's yeah. out, so they'll have chances for for high leverage spots. Um, prospect that we're most likely to see. This is a tough one because there's really nobody to talk about. Khalil Lee, maybe? I mean, yeah. Riley Gillum, like, there's there's really not a whole lot of guys here. I'd put money on Zapaki. You think Zapaki? Um, 
Yeah, I think that the pitching depth is going to need some reinforcement here and there, and I think this is going to be the year that we finally get to see him. Uh, I think the velo has been more encouraging this spring than in years past. As long as he's available, I think he's probably the closest to big league ready. I don't think Khalil Lee is really there yet. I don't think Khalil Lee got a single hit this spring. He had a really rough go of it. Yeah. Uh, the most likely hitter, I guess, would if it's not Lee, I guess I have to wager it'd be Mark Vientos, but I don't think that's going to be more than a month at the end of the year or something. I don't really see a situation in which they would need him. So I don't yeah, think by eliminations of puck, he's my guy. I don't think Vientos is, is making it this year. He's not, he's not close really. Uh, I'm going to say Gillum. I'm going to say Riley Gillum and I'll, I'll say he, he gets some reps in the bullpen at some point this year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Riley Gillum, I know he's not, you know, neither is a pucky, not really a prospect prospect at this point. Relief prospect is a, is a whole different kind of category prospect, but uh, I think I've always thought Gillum has a chance to be a, a half decent major league reliever. Uh, and I, I believe that firmly. And I think that this year he's going to get a chance. Yeah. So I'll say Riley Gillum. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? We have the non-Lindor acquisition. So another caveat, because obviously I think we both agree that Francisco Lindor is going to be the best thing to happen to this team between 2020 and 2021. But aside from him, who, who are we most likely to, uh, fall in love with among the new guys? Huh? Okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like the easy answer is if he gets on the field, it's Carrasco. However, I'm not going to say Carrasco because that's that's too much of a question mark. I've been really impressed with Joey LaCasey this spring. I think he's been really solid, and I think he has a chance to be legitimately effective for the Mets, especially if they use kind of do an opener piggyback situation so he doesn't have to go through a lineup three times. I think that he's got a chance to be really good. So I'm going to say I think that the, the the fan culture around him is really, really fascinating with – the, uh, the Italian last name and Mets fans just really latching onto that and throwing yeah. Soprano memes at him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go with Luch. I'm going to go with Joey LaCasey. Yeah, I like Luch a lot. I think he's going to stick around. Uh, I'm picking James McCann, though. I think that having somebody who say what you want about the offense, whether or not that sticks, I think he's clearly made some adjustments as a defensive player that will hold up over time. And I think having a good defensive catcher and having a good at the same time, a good backup is going to be a breath of fresh air for some fans. I'm, I'm really intrigued by what pitchers are going to get out of him. He's an infinitely better framer than Wilson Ramos was. Uh, I think that kind of difference is going to be pretty significant. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see how he uh, rubs off on pitchers. All right. Most likely to get DFA'd slash not survive the season. Uh Easy answer is either Batantis or Familia. Um, but if I want to go with someone outside of that realm, I think Jonathan VR. Yeah, I think that's that's probably where I'm at. Like, I think that Batantis is probably more likely than VR to get cut. Uh, but if it's a matter of depth and if it's a matter of the options that you feel that you have, I think... I don't, I don't really know where VR fits in with this team. I think he's really a bat first at this point. There's no defensive value. Can't really run anymore. He's kind of like, he's, he's, he hasn't looked great either. I mean, he hit that one home run that was like majestic, but he, you know, that was 
Yeah, that's like it. Concerned. I feel like he just ran into a low pitch there. I mean, he can't catch up to anything high and in. I, I don't know what purpose he's going to serve with his team if he can't hit. And he hasn't really been put in a position to hit off the bench before. But, oh, I mean, overall, I think Batanzas is most likely. I think what the Mets have been trying to do to this point in this year is to give him chances and to just see if it's really a sunk cost before they do anything. If we show up in April and he can't throw strikes and he can't locate his off speeds, uh, they'll probably just give up on the operation and eat their losses. Cause I don't think at that point it's, it's really, it really stands to reason that you would keep giving him chances over somebody who at least has the potential to have good stuff. If they learn to locate like a Gilliam, um, like a, 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 a Drew Smith or a Tyler McGill, that kind of guy. So I don't think, I think Batanzas is most likely to get cut. Yeah. We got one more and then we're going to move on to some just general league wide predictions. And then we have some stuff we got to talk about because there's some, there's some Francisco Lindor news that broke as we were recording, uh-huh. uh, which we're going to talk about, but um, no extension yet, but a little bit of news. Uh, anyways, breakout season. Who's going to have the breakout season for the 2021 New York Mets? Jack, you want to, you, you go first. Sorry. Uh, I got Miguel Castro. I think I hit at it earlier, but I think that having a fresh full season in a Met uniform uh, with a catcher who's, you know, who's, who's capable of handling lower off-speed pitches, uh, and he keeps up with that velocity. His spring has probably been the most impressive among any of the relievers. I think he's going to break out. I think he's going to evolve into somebody pretty useful. But there's also a, a chance that that totally backfires but i'm willing to take it I, I i really like miguel castro yeah like maybe he's manny acosta but mm-hmm. maybe he's also very good uh who knows i was also gonna pick castro i was also okay. gonna pick castro i don't think that there's really anyone on the offensive side who is in need of breaking out i feel like everyone in that lineup who can break out has broke out like i don't think we're getting like a true jd davis breakout I don't think we're getting a true Luis Guillorme breakout. I don't think we're getting a true Tomas Nito breakout. Like Dom maybe broke out. I think he could be in this, in a, like a newer role. I think maybe he could figure something out offensively that, that suits the team. Well, I don't know if that's a breakout though. Yeah. I mean, I think he, Nimmo's a solid backup. He's a really solid backup. I think I'll always think that um, plus raw power, little, little hitting, little, little bit of a bat to ball ability. Uh, and a really, really good defensive catcher. So, I mean, there's inherent value in, in his game as a backup catcher, but I don't think he's going to get enough. Unless McCann gets hurt, I don't think he's going to get enough starting reps to have a chance to break out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone else in the lineup has, you know, everyone's broken out. McNeil broke out. Dom broke out. Pete broke out. Glendor is a superstar. Conforto is a star. Nemo is bro- broke out. You know, like, I'm not yeah. particularly, you know, no one else really on this team has a chance to break out maybe drew smith gets healthy and turns himself into like the second best reliever in this in this uh this bullpen somehow but like yeah i think castro i think castro is probably the easy bet to break out given the spring training that he had hopefully Mm -hmm. it continues yeah all right so shall we move over to league-wide stuff yeah we doing uh we want to talk met news or or league predictions first let's do let's do the league predictions first because you know, it's not like we're breaking any news here. Uh, yeah, this is all by the time people are listening to this, people know. Who knows? People know at this point. Uh, okay, so we're going to go with um, the Mets 
team record and where they will fall. And then we'll do other division winners and then we're going to do awards. So Jack, where, uh, where are the Mets finishing this year? What's going to be the Mets record when we turn turn around, excuse me, in, uh, in six months. I'm saying that they're going to go 90 and 72. Uh, I don't want to do 89, but I also don't think this team is 95 win ready yet. I just really don't think that that bullpen uh, is prepared for that. I think I, I trust between Rojas and Hefner. I trust them enough to like use their resources wisely. And I trust Sandy Alderson to get something done at the deadline. But I also don't think that this team is really in the position to overtake the Braves yet. I think they're going to do a lot of beating up on the, the Phillies and Nationals, but I also don't really, I don't think they're division winners yet. I have them going 90 and 72 and winning the wild card. Um, that's, that's where I'm at with it. You might be more optimistic though. It's not even that I'm more optimistic. I just think that given the state of the league and the teams they're going to be playing, I'm not sure there's a ton of competition. Like you're getting your six games against the six, seven games against the Padres and Dodgers and you're getting your 18 against the Braves. And then nobody really else in this national league is like frightening. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I feel like, I feel like they could be a 93 win team. Yeah. uh, At the higher end of their, you know, variability. Maybe they wind up middling out at like 87, but uh, worst case scenario, obviously, maybe they're a 500 team if everything goes really, really poorly. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to be a little optimistic. I'm gonna say they go 93 and 69. Nice, by the way. And they're going to win the National League East. Hmm. I'm gonna say it right now. I'm going hey. on a whim. Do you think they're gonna win the World Series? No. But I mean, I'd like them to. Hope I'm wrong, but. I'll throw a quick. I'll throw a quick NL East division winner, ninety three and uh, sixty nine uh, record, and running into the Dodgers or Padres buzzsaw, either in the first or second round. I think they make the second round, but I don't. Yeah, I think that that's just a a hump that they'll still need a little bit more work to get over. But hopefully, they'll have Lindor secured by then hopefully they manage to secure Conforto through free agency but they're gonna have to offer him a lot of money at this point and that's probably what's gonna happen it seems very unlikely that Michael Conforto is gonna talk extension at this point John Heyman said that there hasn't really been any traction in that camp so um yeah that's that's where that is but Lindor they have a wide open lane so they should take advantage I think they should extend him my my humble honest opinion yeah so did you have them winning the division or did you have them in the wild card i have them in the wild card i have them beating the padres in the wild card game i think in a one game oh. playoff you give jacob Degrom the ball and you have that offense behind him i think that they managed to beat the padres but i don't think they're gonna although i guess well let's see hmm Seeding wise, I guess, right? If they beat the Padres, they're probably going to have to face the Dodgers next and they wouldn't make it. Um, so, yeah, I'll say that they go out in the NLDS, but I think that they will beat the Padres in the wild card game. I think they have that in them for one game. Five okay. game series, no way. But So, we're, we're getting up on the 40 minute mark here. So, let's, we have other stuff we got to talk about, but let's, let's try to do these kind of rapid fire 
Mm-hmm. Uh, other division winners. Let's let's start because that's the question on everyone's mind in baseball right now. Is this Dodgers versus Padres rivalry? So we'll start NL West. I think honestly, I think the winner of the NL West is going to be decided by whoever beats up on the other three teams the most. Yeah, I think whoever demolishes the Rockies because the Rockies are going to be a bottom three team in baseball this year probably. Yeah. Uh, the Giants are middling to bad, and the Diamondbacks are middling to bad as well. Maybe a little better than the Giants. Uh, so I think that you know what I I I want the Padres to win that division. I do. I want them to be as good as they seem on paper. I don't know if they are. I don't know if the offensive performances they had last year hold up. Like I don't know if Will Myers and Eric Hosmer have good years again. Uh. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say the Padres win the West. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say the Cardinals take the Central. It's a really weak division in the yeah. National League. Um, maybe the Brewers. But I like the the acquisition that they made of Arenado. And I think pitching staff is fine if Michaelis comes back healthy. And I think uh, some of the young talent, I think Dylan Carlson probably has a good year. Uh, so I'm going Cardinals, Central. And then in the American League, I got Yankees. I got the uh, A's out west. I think the A's are still fine. Maybe the Angels actually give them a run for their money, but I think the reign of the Astros is is ending. I think the A's are probably still going to run that division. And then in the Central, maybe the Twins again? Or no, the White Sox. I got the White Sox. I got the White Sox, yeah. You got, got the White Sox. I do have the White Sox. So you have the White Sox? I got the White Sox. Okay. That's, that's. I think, I like the White Sox, and I want them to do well. I also think that if Tony La Russa bats Adam Eaton second every game, uh, they're not going to win. They're not going to make a wild card spot. Like, they don't really have the, the, the brain trust right now to finish that off. And it's a young and impressionable team. And also, they, they're losing Eloy Jimenez for a very long time. Yeah. I, I like, like them, though. Yeah. I like them too. I just think the Twins are a more complete team. So my picks are, I think we probably have the same five in the National League, just different like allocations. Like I have Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, and then Mets and Padres being the wild card. And then in the AL, I actually think the Astros are going to hold up fine because I think that their pitching is silently, at least in their rotation, I think it's silently very good. I think adding Jay to Rizzi puts them over the top in that regard. And I don't really know what Oakland's deal is offensively because they have some spots in that lineup that just seem uh, to be like begging for depth. Like second base, Jed Lowry is their everyday second baseman. And then behind him, it's like Tony Kemp. I don't really know how far that goes. So I have in the AL, I have the Yankees winning the East, Twins winning the Central, Astros winning the West, but by a very like, uh, weak margin like the Astros will be one of those teams that wins the division with like 85 86 wins some crap like that um, and then I have the Rays and White Sox in the wild card and I have the Rays beating the Sox uh, yeah and I have my wild card teams in the AL so in the NL I, I have the same five teams mm-hmm. I have the Braves and the uh, the Dodgers I guess in that can that scenario would be the wild card teams and then I've got in the AL I've got the Rays and the twins, I think maybe the angels, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I think the angels could be in the, the mid eighties in terms of wins. If, if things go well, 
I'm going to say the Angels are the second wild card team in the American League. Wow. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. We have very different points of view on the Angels, I think. I'm much more in the if camp with them because behind, behind their good, it's 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 it has layers, but – I, I don't know. I like David Fletcher. I think David Fletcher deserves a playoff game, you know, playoff. I think he deserves a ring. I think Mike Trout kind of deserves a ring too. So, you yeah, know. just a little bit. Okay. That's what, yeah. Why not? Angels raise wild card. We'll go for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, whether they win, different, you know, different uh, question. Uh, MVP, Cy Young, rookie of the year, rapid fire, National League started out. Go. DeGrom, National League, Cy Young, uh, Giolito, American League, Cy Young. National League MVP is going to be Betts. American League MVP is going to be um, – damn, who did I say was going to be the American League MVP? Damn. I Well, I Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman will be the AL MVP. Uh, NL Rookie of the Year will be – where are my notes? Where are my notes? Sorry. Um, where did I write it here? Hurry up, Jack. I said rapid fire. I'll, I'll mark this. Uh, Oh, yeah. AL MVP is Mike Trout. AL MVP is Mike Trout. Easy. Uh, AL Cy Young, Giolito. NL Cy Young, DeGrom. Rookies of the year will be Wander Franco and Jonathan India. Jonathan India. Okay. I love the fact that you're going Matt Chapman because everyone at this point should know Matt Chapman's my favorite non-Met in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not agree with you that he's going to win the MVP this year. Oh, you, you changed it to Trout, actually. I changed it to Trout, but I think Chapman's going to give him a run for his money. I hope you're right. Uh, okay. National League MVP Juan Soto. Yeah. Uh, American League MVP Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, National League Cy Young Award winner Jacob Degrom. Yeah. I agree with you there. Obviously. And with Trout. American League Cy Young Award winner. I think Shane Bieber. Uh, gets it again. Yeah. Uh, rookies of the year. National League Rookie of the Year, Cabrian Hayes. Mm-hmm. He does have the top odds currently, but I also think he's really, really good, and I like him a lot. And I, I like him a lot, too. Um, could also see six, though, giving him a run for his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, American League Rookie of the Year. Maybe Randy? It could be Randy. However, I'm going to go a little outside the box here. I'm going to go with Nate Pearson. That's a good or- one. For the Blue Jays, I really like the velocity. Actually, if it is a pitcher and it's not Pearson, I think Luis Patino on the Rays. I think the Rays might turn him into a legit stud. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Pearson. I think Pearson's a big, big part of the Blue Jays making a run, but ultimately not making it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then unofficial comeback player of the year. I don't have one for the NL, but for the AL. It's going to be Matt Harvey. It's absolutely going to be Matt Harvey with the Orioles. Number two starter, Matt Harvey. He's going to get every opportunity. And oh, contrary. On the, on the, actually, I disagree. Of course, it's not going to be Matt Harvey. It's going to be Jed Lowry. It's going to be, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jed Lowry. Yeah. That, you know, it would, that's definitely what's going to happen, actually. That's definitely how it's going to go down. It's like, how many at bats did he get with us? Like nine or 10? Like four. Yeah. He just, you know, he must just really like Oakland, which, you know, I like the A's. I like, I like wearing green and white and yellow. I think that's, I think that's a good combo. I respect it. I guess Game record. 
Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous that he is going to be this, the A's starting second baseman. But, hey, that kind of stuff always seems to work for the A's. So, who knows, man? They're going to probably – I think they're going to have the Rule 5 guy make their roster. Kai, Kai uh, Tom, Kai Tom, who's an outfielder, who's had a great spring for them. He's a Rule 5 guy. Uh-huh. Just, like, raked in the minors and never got a chance, and they picked him in the Rule 5. And they have an insane history with Rule 5 guys. You look yeah. at that roster, Mark Canna's a Rule 5 guy. Um, oh, there's at least one more. I think Ramon Laureano wasn't a Rule 5 guy, but he was. they picked him up off the scrap heap. He was a minor league rule five guy, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, he came from the Astros, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's at least one more on that roster. Yeah, I'm thinking about it right now, too. It, it, it's not coming to me, but let me look at the depth chart. And while we do that, should we remember some guys? Um, In just a moment, because we also have to talk about uh, – they also have a, a Vimael Machine who's on that roster, who is a rule five guy. Um, yeah, Mark Canna. Uh, okay. Maybe that's it on the roster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll remember some guys in just a moment, but like, yeah, that's what we got. Got some news. What's the There's news? Francisco Lindor news. Okay. Open, open the, open the envelope. What we got. So apparently Francisco Lindor last night, uh, went and had dinner with Steve Cohen. And according to sources, there are there's increasing optimism that a contract extension will be met and signed by opening day with both uh, with Joel Sherman confirming Jeff Passon's report they had dinner and the Mets have a willingness to get to 300 million plus with Lindor. There appears to be more momentum. And Steve Cohen himself tweeted after the news broke, quote, the ravioli wasn't very good. God, Steve is, I, do you think maybe he read that thread of tweets to Lindor when they were at the dinner table? Maybe I, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, if it broke the, uh, broke the tension, if it, if it broke the ice, sure. Whatever works. Chicken farm apparently. I mean, maybe maybe all Francisco needed to be won over was getting wine and dined at a nice Italian place. Apparently That's not a very nice Italian Trevor place. May. That's exactly how they got Trevor May. <laughs> chicken farm was, hero? Yeah. Yeah, he got like a chicken farm hero with like like prosciutto or pancetta or something. And it was so good that he decided to become a Met. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's going to be pretty embarrassing if they don't pull this off with all of the social media shenanigans as the uh, as the elders say but i think that it's probably going to happen it's a shame that we couldn't do this with more than lindor like it's a shame that we're going to have to get into a bidding war for michael conforto uh it's a shame that we're probably going to have to find a way to win back noah Syndergaard this offseason but i also think that if steve cohen is as intent about this as he claims to be will be in a good place i trust him infinitely more than i trust trusted the past regime to make this happen so right i mean in credit i guess a little bit of credit to the past regime they they uh they did get the the degrom extension done right right under the wire so i guess a little credit where it's due there 
slightly. They had to hire his former agent as a GM, though, to make that happen. It took a lot of hoops. That is true as well. And that was that was a great regime, you know. Got a lot done. <laughs> Clearly. All right, let's remember some guys. That's opening that's day, nice. opening day around the corner. Uh, what are we what are we dealing with here, Jack? Uh, I'm remembering Braden Looper. Uh, this is a little bit before your time, a little bit before my time also, but the one of the best opening day games that the Mets did not win was a game that Braden Looper closed in like 2005. 2005 was Willie Randolph's first year managing the Mets. And I think if I remember correctly, there was something about like how Willie Randolph was like going to shave or like, like drink some champagne that like somebody got him for winning his first game as a manager when they won their first game. And they went like, Oh, and six to start the year. And it basically started with Braden Looper at great American ballpark, just catastrophically blowing a save against the reds. Um, and then of course he went to the Cardinals and beat us in the uh, championship series the following year. But Braden Looper was like, he's my guy, just some, some fun opening day stuff. So I'm also going kind of opening day themed. However, I, okay. So I was just going to find some rando met who was on an opening day roster that no one remembers. And now I'm looking through our little document where we have all of the guys we've remembered written down. Yeah. Cause I, I could have sworn, I wanted to remember someone else, but I could have sworn we already remembered him. And now I'm seeing that we haven't. So mm. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I think I know who you're remembering, but do it. One I'm of my very- friends would be very excited too. I'm very excited to remember Colin Cowgill. Yes. Yes. Short King. Short King, who had a grand slam on opening day for the, what was Was that 2013? Yeah. I was at that game. It was amazing. I could have sworn that we remembered him already, but we haven't. And I get to remember him now. Yeah. Opening day grand slam, I think against the Padres. He hit it off Brad Brock. No way. Yeah, it was op- that Padres team was abysmal. Their like cleanup hitter was Jed Jerko, and like their leadoff hitter was like Will Venable. Um, oh my but God. Algil, at that game, it was it was like a line drive that hit off of the black wall above the orange line. Yeah. So he like dove into third base with a triple, and we had no idea that it was actually a home run. So when we saw him running toward home plate, we were just like, "Oh, okay, grand slam." But like. God, all the like Facebook memes of like more Calgill with Christopher Walken. That's what I remember. That was really strange time of like trying to sell uh, these like fun guys who weren't very good. But Colin Calgill was a lot of fun. I fondly remember him. We are we are remembering Colin Calgill very strongly today on Pleasant Good Evening. Very love to see it, man. Oh, all right. Uh huh. That's a good place to put a capper on this one. Good episode, man. I mean, this was nice. We got to we got to give our predictions and, and talk about the season as a whole. And hey, man, next next week when we talk to you guys for the next episode for this is episode thirty, by the way, that we're doing right now. Yeah. For episode thirty one, we're gonna be able to talk about real major league baseball, and we can't wait. So I'm really excited for uh, for Jack Hendon. My name is Sam Lebowitz and Mets fans. Have a pleasant evening. Thank you.